The trend of higher interest rates and rising inflation has been a game changer for financial markets. Value stocks are outperforming growth. Plus, shorter duration income funds are delivering better results than funds with longer durations. Here to discuss these trends and how to capitalize on them is Lance McGray at Advisors Asset Management. He joins us right after this. I'm Arian Alcorta with ETF Guide. Thank you for joining us. If you're a longtime viewer, welcome back. And if it's your first time watching, hit that subscribe button. Check out the description section below this video to take advantage of our viewer resources. Lastly, don't forget to post your comments and questions. Now let's get to it. Sharp interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve have radically shifted the market trends. This is why we have invited Lance McGray, head of ETFs at Advisors Asset Management, or AAM. Lance, welcome and thank you for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Lance, as you know, the Federal Reserve's aggressive rate hikes have damaged a lot of bonds and income-focused portfolios. The AAM Low Duration Preferred and Income Securities ETF have held up relatively well. And that's because it focuses on low-duration preferred securities. Am I right? Absolutely. You are 100% correct. Um, it has been a very challenging year for income investors, right? I mean, we've had to deal with duration and uh, rising interest rates for, for quite some time now. And it's something that we haven't had to deal with um, in many decades, to be honest with you. So PFLD is a really, really unique solution. As you mentioned, it is a, uh, a preferred ETF that focuses on low-duration securities and hybrid securities. So from that standpoint, um, we offer a, a substantial um, benefit in terms of duration risk and, and risk mitigation. Um, PFLD's effective duration is 1.55 years right now, which is substantially lower than its longer duration peers, which in the, in the broader um, basket of preferred ETFs and indices out there, um, duration numbers can exceed six years. So we're talking about a 70% reduction in duration uh, through PFLD versus its longer duration peers. But at the same time, you're not giving up anything in terms of income. Uh, it's 1031 SEC yield was 629. You have the tax benefits of the preferred security. So as of right now, uh, our QDI is around 72%. But you also get the low correlation to other asset classes, which can be very timely in this market as well. Um, so yes, PFLD is a really interesting product. It's held up exceptionally well because it is the only low duration preferred ETF out there. And to be honest with you, we're really excited about it heading into 2023 with continued uncertainty around interest rates going forward. Now talking about uncertainties, value stocks have been leading performers over growth. And that's lifted funds like the AAM and S&P 500 High Dividend Value ETF, SPDV, and AAM S&P Emerging Markets High Dividend Value ETF, EEMD. Do you see this trend of value overgrowth continuing in 2023 despite this uncertainty? Absolutely. Um, this is something that I've mentioned on uh, 
on interviews with um, ETF Guide in the past, and this is something that we continue is, is still intact, right? Um, we still believe we are witnessing um, a secular regime change, which we are going to favor value stocks, both domestically and international equities, over our growth counterparts. Um, you know, you mentioned SPDV, and that's a really interesting solution and very timely solution. Um, not only has it outperformed our, our broad-based benchmarks, in fact, it's outperforming the S&P 500 by about 1,500 basis points on a year-to-date basis. Um, but if you look at it compared to, say, the, Rust- the S&P 500 uh, growth index, we're outperforming it by over 25% on a year-to-date basis. So very, very uh, strong relative performance uh, with SPDV. And it's really important to, to note a few things. Um, yes, it is a value-oriented solution, but it's also, as the name implies, it focuses on dividend payers and sustainable dividend payers. So this is another thing that's very, very important in this uh, potentially rising rate environment. Um, the, the SEC yield of SPDV is over 4%, double that of the S&P 500. So that, that in of itself um, provides a nice little cushion for investors that are, that are worried about potential uh, you know, um, risk going forward. Um, the other thing that's really interesting with our entire high dividend value suite is that through our uh, security selection of selecting five securities from each of the gig sector with the best combination of dividend yield and highest free cash flow yield, is that we don't make sector bets. So in times like this, when people are worried about duration risk, even on the equity side, um, our exposure to, to longer duration sectors like technology are going to be muted because we're going to have sort of a confined allocation to technology. Um, and that's really been a, a major driver in addition to the focus on dividend paying stocks and more specifically sustainable dividend paying stocks. Our lower allocation to technology has really helped um, across the line as well. Now, shifting gears. For investors with losing positions in taxable accounts, now is a good time to clean up the portfolio and make use of strategies like tax loss harvesting. Investors have until December 31st to make this happen. What's your perspective in tax loss harvesting right now, Lance, and how can ETFs play a key role? Well, I'm certainly not a tax expert, but what I will say is tax loss harvesting is nothing new. Um, Generally, uh, this time of year, almost every year, investors are looking to essentially achieve their financial goals. And in some instances, um, it makes sense to realize some some losses to offset gains in your portfolio so you can mitigate your tax consequences or tax liabilities going into year end. Um, You know, this is something that's not ideal for everybody. Um, I would not recommend selling securities just to raise losses. But in the world of ETFs with, you know, well over 3,000 ETFs out there, there are options out there. And I think it's really important in this environment, um, tax loss harvesting can be very, very important. And the reason why I say it might be more important this year than it has historically is that if you look across the board, there's red everywhere whether we're looking at fixed income indices, equity indices, there is a lot of opportunity out there to not only uh, realize losses and carry them forward or offset them against gains, but more importantly, it's a great opportunity to reposition one's portfolio to better combat the rising potential interest rates or um, a migration from growth 
to value securities. So in the instance of um, you know, tax loss harvesting, yes, it could be a phenomenal tool that investors use to meet their financial goals. But I think it's extremely timely right now because of the market and the positioning that we are able to realize losses, but at the same time, reposition one's portfolio to essentially be hopefully mitigated against some of the future risks that we see coming up in 2023. Now, you just mentioned 2023, which is already around the corner. So as investors reflect on 2022, what are some of the important investing takeaways of this year? Well, I think, you know, hitting what I just spoke about is that um, there's a lot of red out there. Uh, Nobody likes seeing red in their financial statements. But I think the one thing that we've realized this year, or at least one takeaway from from myself and a lot of the advisors that we, we talk about, is the importance of risk management and, more importantly, downside protection. Um, it, it's really important to, to understand the concept that if, you know, while nobody likes being red or losing money, if we can mitigate our downside, it makes the, the gains coming back up that much easier. And if you look throughout the, some of the equity space uh, here in the U.S., there's, some, there's some, some equity portfolios and strategies and ETFs that are down nearly 60%. To put it into context, if we want to get back to break even, a 60% loss, that same security or that same asset at that asset price has to gain 150% to get back to break even. Now, on the flip side, if you can mitigate your losses to, say, 10%, you only have to gain 11% to get back to break even. And that's why it's so very important to, to constantly reviewing your portfolios and trying to mitigate your downside protection because any percent you can save on the downside makes the, the, um, the gains that much easier on the upside. Now, last question, Lance, and very quick. Any investing trends and developments that, are, that you're watching for for 2023? I think as, as interest rates go up, um, you know, one thing that we're certainly looking at, um, not only in the, 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 the finance world as a whole, but more specifically on the ETF side, um, is a resurgence of fixed income, right? Um, as I mentioned, yields and investment-grade securities, tax-exempt munis, high yields, um, they're all sitting at near-decade highs. And it's actually um, bringing fixed-income securities back into one's portfolio and, and having the benefits of that fixed-income security in their portfolios. Um, now, I will also say um, that treasury market, uh, treasury market rates um, you know, from the short end to the intermediate end also look very attractive, nearly double that of the S&P 500. So we're seeing this shift and this potential resurgence of of the fixed income market. Um, And I think that's something that we're going to continue to monitor. Taking that one step further, um, and I I mentioned the ETF wrapper itself, um, as you can imagine, it's been a very challenging year uh, historically for fixed income investments. We've seen nearly $446 billion of outflows in fixed income mutual funds. On the flip side, we've seen about $167 billion of inflows into fixed income ETFs, which is really, really interesting that you have outflows in one solution or one wrapper and inflows of another. Now, there is a $4.5 trillion um, assets in fixed income mutual funds, and there's only about 1.3 trillion in ETFs, fixed income ETFs right now. But we do see that trend continuing to sort of pivot 
and assets coming from mutual funds and into ETFs, specifically around fixed income vehicles. So that's one thing that we're going to continue monitoring, um, not only from an investment perspective, but also from a wrapper to wrapper perspective as well. Lance, such an interesting conversation. Thanks for dropping by and sharing your insights. Be sure to visit aamlive.com to learn more about the ETF lineup at Advisors Asset Management. The link is posted in the description section below. Don't forget to subscribe to ETF Guide TV. Tell us how you've been enjoying our timely programs like this one, along with ETF battles and many others. You can also find us on Twitter at ETF Guide. I'm Ariane Alcorta. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. Thank you.